All right, hello everybody. This is Matt Ryan, and I have a guest on that I am very familiar with today. Uh, and so this uh, is another episode of All Roads Lead to Real Estate, and I'm just realizing that our fancy camera system has just improved. Check this out, Jay. That is pretty fancy, I would My say. My goodness, that looks nice. Good work over there, Raul. I just hope it has one of those beautiful filters on it that makes me look young and fit. <laughs> it's going to be nice. Mm. So my guest today is my brother, my one and only brother, Jay Ryan. And so I wanted to have him on here because he is a, a voice in my head uh, oftentimes that I sometimes reiterate when I'm talking to clients. So for those of you that have already worked with me, uh, either on my team or one of, one of my clients, you're probably going to hear a little bit of me today uh, in a different body. So uh, some of what I say, I was just commenting, we should have had a whiskey in our hand. This would have been a very different conversation, three whiskeys deep. Yeah, you get me a couple whiskeys in me. I, I'd probably <laughs> tell you some stories maybe that not fit for everybody here. Yeah, it'll, it would be a very different episode. Um, but either way, so my brother Jay Ryan is a very successful uh, entrepreneur, and so he, his story is pretty unique, I feel, and, um, and one of the stories I've told a million times to clients and people that know that we grew up on a dairy farm and know a little bit, little bit about our history, and so I think that'll be fascinating from that angle, but Jay has a unique perspective on building businesses that are local. Um, he has multiple companies, and I'll share some details on that, but he's been he started when he was a teenager on the farm. Um, honestly, uh, and I'll, I guess I'll give the prelude to that right now. But so, you know, Jay is eight and a half years older than I am. And so we lost our father back in 96, 95, October 10th, 1995. See, you could tell I was a child. I was in elementary school. Yep. Fifth grader you were. Yep. I was 19. Yep. And so that's uh, when everything kind of changed because we all had chores and work on the farm. But Jay immediately as a teenager 18 years old, um, immediately had to step up and take over the farm operations. And, you know, we had three kids at home. So it was Jay's the oldest. I have a middle sister, uh, Megan. Megan was 12. You were about nine or 10 and I just turned 19. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, growing up on that farm is a different thing than what it is for probably 99.9% .9 of America. Cause they say today, 1% feeds the other 99% in this country. So we were milking about 90 cows, farming our farm, which is roughly between 140, 150 acres that we owned as a family, which by the way, May 13th of this year, 2023, will be the 100 year anniversary of our family owning that farm. My two boys, Jack and Preston, are the fifth generation to live in that farmhouse. So that's that's another rare little thing that you can talk about. Yeah. It, and didn't we find a monument in the in the field? In the back corner, it's a cornerstone monument, still there. Um, my father-in-law, Lee Preston, is a historian, archaeologist. He's put this picture in several of his books. 1776 is chiseled into that marker stone. That was the year they marked it. That's wild. That is wild. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, it's real. It's there. I know right where it is. Yeah, so so basically getting, getting back to how everything ended up changing. So when Jay was 19 um, and took over the farm operations, um, my mother, uh, Susan, uh, obviously was able to help. She was the, you know, kind of the, the lead anchor there, but Jay took over. And so he had to make sure we didn't all starve, basically. So he, yeah. kept, he kept it going. I finished first year of college, was getting ready for thinking about what the second year was going to be. I had plans. And that's when in May we got the diagnosis that our father had stage four straight up terminal lung cancer. They gave him three to six months to live. 
And by October 10th, he was gone. Uh, very different treatments, I guess, then versus today. He had chemotherapy, radiation, both at the same time, blasting away. Went from this big, strong, punch-you-in-the-mouth-looking kind of dude to a skeleton in a summer. It was crazy. So sad. Right. And then uh, that was it. Blink of eye, he was gone. But when you are a dairy farmer and you're milking cows, we milked at 5 in the morning back then, 3.30 in the afternoon, seven days a week. You don't get a lot of time to think about your problems or take a few weeks off and muddle things over in your mind. No, no. You get about 20 seconds, and then it's sink or swim. Uh, Dad was probably 800 or so thousand in debt when he died. Uh, our mom had been a stay-at-home mom for all the years we grew up. She helped on the farm, calves, chickens, pigs. Mm-hmm. Bookkeeping, that bookkeeping, kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. But she didn't have an off-farm job all those years. So it was 100% the income of the farm. Our father was also an entrepreneur. He had a two milk trucks. He hauled milk at night, had a couple guys helping with that. He also had a backhoe business. A guy named Norman Anderson was his partner. And they had a company where they put in septic systems, sewer and water line connections. I mean, tons, thousands and thousands of townhomes. That was a small side business, just a couple guys. So he had his hands in different things. He knew that just milking cows, just farming alone won't cut it. And that's how it is today for most farmers as well. Well, I just remember it was always kind of a grind and you never really had, I mean, we didn't have health insurance. I mean, it was a grind. No, it was crazy. It was like a big deal to get braces. I didn't get yeah. braces till I was a junior in high school because we like saved up the money to get braces. It was like yeah. a big deal. I was like, oh, I'm going to have straight teeth. Yeah. I like, you know, still they're not perfect, but I took it <laughs> seriously. I was excited to get the darn braces. Yeah. And little things like that, people today just completely take that stuff for granted. Yeah, I think so. And and so much of our area has changed since back then. It was a very different Howard County. And the stories I remember as a kid with dad would talk about how this just the streets would be different. Route 40 and Ellicott City, just everything was a different world. Our dad had pictures. I, I'd love to know where they are. Route 70 was being built when he was a teenager. And he would go up on Route 70 with our Uncle Gene and these different people he would talk about. And they would line up. There was no cars on Route 70. It was being built. And they would drag race on Route 70. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how different it is. Well, he talked about taking the horses and going up and down Old Frederick Road, where we were from in Howard County. And oh, yeah. Our mom had a horse, too. Yeah. That's, they used to take horse riding you know, things through the woods together right. as teenagers. Well, they would mess with me and say they only fed the horses root beer and all this other stuff I'd hear. So, it, you know, it's fascinating. So, it's just like our childhoods were very different um, after that point. So, when you took over that, it's you tried to figure out what to do. We had... The, it's in land preservation, the farm. Our dad put it in preservation. That was another whole side story yeah. because he had that farm sold. And we were going to move to Charlottesville, Virginia. And we were going to go from milking cows to being in the, the uh, beef operation. He wanted to slow down. And the farm was sold, going to be developed. Going to be, I forget if they said 70-some houses. going to be quite a few houses on our farm. And the day he went to sit down to sign the papers, what's that called? Closing, right? Mm-hmm. That's your side of the world these days. The uh, developer didn't show up. Literally. You imagine you're sitting at the table, you're ready to do everything. The other party is a no-show. And uh, they're all just standing around, the lawyer, the real estate agent, but no dude with the check. Wow. I didn't even hear, I didn't even know that story. Well, it's very true. It's very true. Our father was not really a religious guy. I don't ever remember going to church with him, but he took that as a sign. Maybe I shouldn't develop this land. Maybe I shouldn't be the last one here. So he uh, then decided that's it. I'm putting in land preservation. Wasn't real thrilled with what they were paying per acre for this land preservation back then. 
and tried his best to uh, get that up, work with some other neighbors, do what he could, and got it to a price point pretty quickly that he said, okay, I can live with this, and signed it into that. I don't know that he actually got many of the checks from it before he actually passed away. Yeah, maybe, maybe one or two. Yeah, it was not much. No, no. But but it locked it. It did two things for the farm. So by him putting it in preservation, it devalued the land a significant amount. So by his passing, everything going to mom, it was sort of locked into a lower rate, so she could start dribbling it out, you know, and, and not get hit by the tax man so bad. And it also forced my hand to say, okay, well. You're not going to develop this land. You're not going to become some 20-year-old rich guy. You're a freaking farmer. Get to work. And so for nine years after he was gone, I milked those cows. And I did another beef herd operation. But I quickly uh, learned, you know, I was farming our farm, 11 other farms, 16, 1,800 acres, somewhere in there. I went from 90 cows milking to 140 cows milking started milking cows at one o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the afternoon, trying to get very regimented. All these things that I could do to try and push production, went to all artificial insemination with the herd, got rid of our bull, did all the breeding myself, all these different things, trying so hard to see if I could get the production up, make this you know, a, a right. real business that would make real money. But uh, I just beat my head against the wall. And you were 20, 21, 22 years old, still remembering the reeking cool water cologne in the hallway. <laughs> You still had your fun. You'd go to the part, the party, the club, something. and yeah. you'd go back. I just remember you would go for, leave the bar to go milk cows. Oh yeah, I got pulled over one night coming out of a bar in Frederick. I never forget. It's me and my friend Robert in the truck, and we were driving a Chevy pickup truck with an airbrushed Holstein cow down each side of it. Remember that truck? Oh god, and that truck smelled like cow manure, like you wouldn't believe. I don't know how any girl in a, in a nightclub <laughs> or anything would even talk to me, but you got to get off that farm at some point. Yeah. And the officer pulls me over, roll down the window. Thank God I wasn't drunk. And he's like, you know, the typical questions, have you been drinking this, that, and the other? And I just looked at him and I said, sir, I've got to go home and melt cows right now. I said, if you don't believe me, please look at the side of the truck. Look at the inch of cow manure on the floorboard of this truck. It's just me and this other hillbilly. <laughs> We're good old boys. We got to go back to the farm. And the guy's like, listen, just take your time. I was yeah. like, yes, sir. And literally we drove home, changed our clothes. Went certain amount of cows. Yeah. Oh my God. So that's so that's basically your childhood. And so then you know one of the ways that you've managed to to take that operation. I mean, you're not milking cows anymore. No. So it's what a horse it operation now. So in the middle, just like our dad did when he passed, I had to quickly get rid of the the hauling of the milk. Those those were grown men. They didn't want to work for a 19 year old kid. I also uh, the operation of the the backhoe and doing the septics that dissolved very quickly. So I very you know, within days realized why my dad had these other sidelines. That was what was kind of keeping him self-subsidized. So within a year or so, I started cutting grass. You know, what does anybody with not a ton of money, but a hard worker willing to willing to get out there and work? Landscaping is a very entry level type thing that a lot of young guys, a lot of... Uh, See a lot of guys with a pickup truck and a, oh, dude, two I, mowers. I was one of those guys, you know, it was that old truck with the cow painted on the side of it. Uh, a little trailer that I bought off my friend, uh, a one lawnmower, one blower, one weed whacker. For, I was one for, of your first employees. Yeah. I made five. Jay, Jay started. He would advertise. I still remember this. Seven fifty an hour starting. Hmm. And do you remember what I started at? 
It should have been like two dollars, but I think it was five. <laughs> five dollars. I told you you weren't worth that. You, <laughs> you weren't. Did. You weren't worth five. But you know, I was willing to. I was give stuck you a try. in the middle of that little truck, and your oh, head driver was a mess. Um, you know, he would immediately buy beer on the way home every day. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I know, I know. They put you through. As a teenager, it was good for you. That something, something. It was interesting. That was a different. I mean, he was he on work release or was that a different guy? That was oh, Eddie. Oh, that was same guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if it was at the same time or a different time, but listen, when you're young and you're desperate to hire help, I yeah. was literally hiring prisoners. He did. I, hey, they had a great program of work release for inmates out of the Howard County sure. Detention Correction System. I hope they still have it. It was great. 12 hours a day, six days a week, and they were very happy to be there, Matt. Oh, yes. Very happy to be there. <laughs> Good workers. So that, so I was also cutting grass. I've cut enough grass. I think we did 10 or 15 a day and mm-hmm. all summer long. And Gra- um, Grass is a numbers business. You yeah. are a commodity when you're a grass cutting guy. Right. So time is money, and you got to rock and roll. Right. And so you did that in addition to landscaping. But when you started landscaping with your company, Ryan Landscaping, was it just mulch, just the very entry? Listen, even the first mulching job, I got to the guy's house. I was very excited. He kind of knew me, gave me a chance to put down mulch. I show up with an old international dump truck, one of the silage trucks from cutting corn. Mm-hmm. And all I'm thinking is, man, I'm, I'm happy this guy gave me this job. I'm going to do a really good job for him. And he, I remember him telling me, you know, don't go skimping the mulch on me, young man. I'm thinking, okay, you know, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to put it down like I mean it. And then he came home and he's like, oh my God, what did you do? I said, well, I did a nice job. He said, you put like five inches of mulch in the flower beds. What the hell's the matter with you? And I'm like, shit. <laughs> so I was like, listen, we'll stay here all night if it takes it. What's the proper amount you'd like, sir? <laughs> he said about an inch and a half. I said, done, done. We'll, we'll pick it up. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, It's complete, you know, just jumping right in the frying pan. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, the people you hired weren't exactly knowledgeable either. I would hire kids. I would (laughs) hire inmates. I would hire anybody I could hire. (laughs) 13-year-olds. When you're starting a business as a 19, 20-year-old kid, you don't get to go on ZipRecruiter and offer them 401k plans and forget about it. You hire anybody that's willing to put up with you and accept a paycheck. Well, and so that's how you started. So it's like... Let's flash forward and then we'll we'll go back to the middle. But I mean, where so at this point, you're one of, if not the biggest around at this point for residential. There's a lot of guys that do pure commercial. I mean, there's national companies, international companies. There's guys that that do 100 times the revenue that we do, but they're on the commercial scale. They're doing whole developments, Walmarts, Kmarts, whatever. Right. Um, We are working one by one for individual homeowners and I've evolved. So. At one point, I got up to 300 clients cutting grass. Realized I was going to work myself to an early grave. I felt like a dairy farmer all over again. Realized that I wanted to do more of the hardscaping, do more of um, decks, patios, uh, pavers, natural stone. Really, is it, is it simply because the margins are better or better jobs? Or what's the what's the driving factor to do it? Even on that, the margins aren't amazing. You don't go into my industry thinking, yeah, I'm going to make 30% on every job. No. The the average is still only like seven to to nine percent if you're doing amazing. It's it's a, it's a still a numbers game, but at least it's seven to nine percent. It's not one percent. Right, grass mowing. And it's of a bigger number. And it's of a much bigger number. And then uh, I had a mentor that helped teach me how to do swimming pools, um, and I slowly got into building pools. And now we've kind of coined the term. The industry has coined the term outdoor living. And it's, it's huge in this area. People that have nice homes, nice yards, nice things. Uh, and the pandemic really kind right. of sp- 
put a, an exclamation point on it of, hey, I want to walk out my back door, be proud of what I see, and be able to invite other people over here, and they be proud and be excited to be in my backyard. Right. What does that mean to you? Does that mean a, a patio where you can put a solo stove? Or does that mean a, a ginormous, beautiful swimming pool with a water slide and uh, a pool house? I mean, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I just, you know, I go out and I try and figure out what does that mean to you? How can I help? And blow that out. And we've got a guy named Dan, who's a landscape architect, been with me pushing 20 years. Uh, Greg, uh, Jackie, Patrick right now, different ones, you know, so I've got like a whole design department. Uh, a, a woman that runs my company, I, I learned to put a woman in charge if you want uh -huh. things done right. Michelle okay. runs the business. Um, I am in the sales part. And very much like you, I try and be the face of the company. I try and be the first person in the door, try and help be a problem solver. And I am now currently getting to between between five and eight homes every day in the Howard County area. I personally go to, introduce myself, see what these folks need, whether it be planting 10 trees, two trees, or putting a $1.1 million backyard in the back. I'm the first person in. I try and help figure out what it is and get them to where they go. And so what does the average job on a larger scale, what can you expect if you want to go crazy? Like what are people willing to spend these days? It used to be a very big deal 10 years ago. If somebody said to me, I have a, I have a hundred thousand dollar budget. We would all be like, take a little breath. And be like, wow. hundred thousand dollars. That's amazing. This person's going to have a fantastic backyard. A swimming pool is mm -hmm. $55,000, a patio, deck, whatever. Uh, now, bigger projects all are over two hundred. I've seen them go over a million multiple times, but that's not the norm. That's definitely not well, the I norm. I just literally came from a house in Ruxton I toured. It's a multi-million dollar home. It's beautiful. But the backyard, on the brochure at least, was $1.2 million they spent on the backyard retreat. They sure. called it a retreat. Well, that's a nice it term, too. I it like had that. two fireplaces. It reminded me of something you would do. It had two huge stone fireplaces. You know, it, it, just, it was just gorgeous. It had a, a massive swimming pool, and sure. everything was hardscaped. Every inch of the backyard was hardscaped. Well, less grass to cut. There's no grass. grass. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's yeah. like only surgeons can afford this, so they're going to be busy anyway. So, well, but, yeah, I mean, but that that's wonderful, though. I mean, think about all the entertaining they can do, all sure. the family moments they're going to have. I mean, that's the it spot. Everybody in that family is going to know that backyard and right. want to spend time there. I just I couldn't believe it. I said, maybe this is a half million. I was off by a lot um, when I when I found out the actual figure. But just reminded me of what's possible and what people are are starting to be willing to do. You know, just it's, it's a different world. Yeah. And there's something to it. I mean, there's something nice. I mean, I, I don't I don't have a million dollar backyard, but I have a nice backyard on that farm. Oh, now. that view and that. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, I've got do. the beautiful outdoor kitchen, <laughs> yes, the fireplace, yep. the planters, the big patio, the, the special room. I've got all that stuff going on. And, and it's just nice to be able to go out there, you know, have your beer, have your bourbon, have, yep. relax, be amongst yourself. And then when you're ready, just you go inside, and you go to bed. Right. You're not way off somewhere else doing whatever you're, you're right there you're home and there's there's at the end of the day there's no place like home well and i think there's value significant value in people's outdoor living space in general now that i've been selling real estate for all these years it's just you see the difference a properly designed and executed backyard living space has to the viability and the the value of the home you don't have to be a trained professional when you walk into a backyard no. and you see a good one right you just know and you and most people can tell the difference between something shoddy i think having so many conversations with you over the years I usually comment that like half of your day is spent 
fixing other people's mistakes. Well, I have to be very careful at most places where I go because it's like being a car guy that does body work. Mm-hmm. And you're probably walking through a parking lot all day trying to walk in. You're probably picking every car you see apart. Be like, oh, God, they did a bad job fixing the front end on that car. Yeah. Who the hell painted that one? Literally now 26 years in this industry, as I walk through people's yards, I pick I it see, apart. I do, but I, I keep my mouth shut for the most part. It's like me t- when I tour friends' homes or anything. I just I, I can't help but like try to turn on light, lights as I go and then turn them off as I leave. Cause I'm used to, I like, know. I know. Listen, we got screamed at for the light thing at our house. My God. I know. Turn everything off. Oh, my God. We didn't have two pennies. Yeah. So so you've managed to do it. So how large of the co- is the company today? Uh so gross during, revenues around 15 million mark, 80 ish or so people were in production. I've uh, also got uh, a plumbing and electrical company, uh, 25, 30 men in that company that I've mm-hmm. got that I spun off. Um, we do a little bit of everything. You know, we make our own topsoil, uh, make our own compro, uh, do some, some mulch type things. So, I mean, we got our hands into a little bit of every part of, of our industry now that. So basically, the way I've heard you describe it, it's a design-build company now that can pretty much handle everything at this point. Design, build, maintenance. So if you're buying a brand new home today and you don't know where to start, a guy like me is the right spot to start. I'll come in, chit-chat with you, put a price tag on how many man hours it's going to take to do do the design, Mm -hmm. because you need one of those four designers. You need a very good designer. It's the one thing I beg and beg and beg people you know, maybe you can't afford everything. That's okay. I get it. Freaking houses are expensive. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are house poor in the beginning. It's fine. It's cool. Don't go out and just slap something on for the sake of slapping something on. Take your time. Live in your house a little while. Hire a trained designer. Someone that really knows what they're doing. See some of their designs. Know who the company is. Um, pay some money up front for a design. It is money well spent. And then work the plan. You know, figure out what's most important to you. Is it the deck? Is it the pool? Is it the front walkways? The flower beds? I tell a lot of people in these neighborhoods, the first thing you should do is plant trees. Right. Trees take a long time to plant. Well, not plant, but grow. grow, Yeah, Uh grow. I'm sorry. Yeah, they take a long time to grow. So get some trees started. You know, that's not terribly expensive. And if a good designer does it, hell, that's a thing that a family can do together as a team. You can have a local nursery, supply them, drop them off. And mm-hmm. you guys can plant the darn things as a family if you want well, to just in, get some in the ground. We're in Baltimore County. So I, I planted a re- like 60 trees at our property that we took over because so many were dead. And uh, they were very inexpensive, but we have little guys because we got to get... Well, you went a very different way. You, know, you worked with a, a, a it was, company. It was, like, or, it was or, very... It was it's just, not a company. What's that call that you did? It was... It's uh, it's a it's an organization, actually, that, that works with the counties. And it's only $75 a tree. You can, anybody who's listening to this can look it up. But uh, a lot of different counties have it. Baltimore County in Maryland has it as well, where they come and plant the tree and they give a one-year guarantee. Yeah. Most of the trees are about six feet tall. Something like this. Yeah, they're one inch caliper trees. Yeah. And, but they're they're nice. Sometimes it's good to start them small because they'll root better. I yeah. tell people that all the time. I meet the kind of people that want 16 foot tall trees mm-hmm. that give them instant privacy. And that's great. I can provide those. We crane them in and set them with a crane. Um, but you got a better chance of them living and rooting in and doing better with a one inch tree right. versus a ginormous tree. Right. Well, you did it. The last time I had you planted a bunch of trees that were much taller. They were like 10 feet tall, and that made a big difference. Well, you needed that instant separation. You I were was a much tight. smaller lot. Yeah, yeah I was in Towson, and that was pretty tight. Yep. You know, I have more space now, so it's not quite as urgent. 
Of Whoever's it. in that house now is really enjoying those trees, I bet. It's it's sold twice in the last three years, by the way. Look at that. We did too good a job. <laughs> it's too good a job. And each time it's 100000 more than the last time it sold. Wow. Seriously. Wow. It's insane. I, uh, that's I our real estate market. That's what it's been. And that's what it feels like it's holding on to for a while. For a little bit. And, I mean, have you seen the market? Because, once again, all roads do lead back to real estate because you're improving people's real estate. And, like, have you seen... A slowdown or a change now that we're sitting here it's April of 2023 the number one thing I see is a is a real hesitance to sell your house and it's because two things I meet a lot of people who are like well if I sell this home today I've got a 1.9 or 2.9 percent interest rate on it and um, I know I'll get good money for it but then I got to go buy another house and mm-hmm. um, what's that interest rate going to be or or uh, is it that house is going to be expensive too? Um, so it's not like I'm going to go sell this one for X amount and the next one's going to be Y amount and be super cheap, unless you have to move or, or, or have a big change like that. So that's what's making folks nervous. Uh, and is that affecting? Does it help or does it hurt a guy like you that does? I need turnover. I need turnover. Just like you need turnover, uh, everybody that does what I do, because you can live in your house for a while, and and that was before COVID. Everybody would live in their house for a while, and you didn't notice a lot of things. You didn't notice your sidewalk was cracked. You didn't notice you had that dead tree out back. Uh, you're busy, man. You're going to work. Your wife's going to work. You got to get the kids to and from sports or this or that or whatever. A lot of stuff you can let slide. But when they got locked in their house, then all of a sudden that dead tree drove them crazy. Mm-hmm. That crack in the sidewalk drove them crazy. Right. Um, and then guys like me, all of a sudden our phones blew up. And don't get me started on the pool business. The pool business during the pandemic, unbelievable. A shooting fish in a barrel. Every human stuck at home with their three kids, driving them crazy. Oh, yeah. They're like, we got to get these kids outside. We got to get them outside now. Build me a freaking pool for the so love of God. So at the worst of it, so your company, you have another company called Ryan Pools. So at the worst of the pandemic, what was the backlog of like- A little how, over two years. So would anyone give cut you a check and say, here's my deposit. I'll see you in two years. We had people that I would have initial meetings at their home with them explain the process and they would show up the next day with a deposit check and i hadn't even written a contract yet i had that happened three times and i'm like yeah um i didn't know what to do and they were just like we want to get on the list you know they weren't bringing me over tens of millions of dollars nothing crazy bringing me a little bit of money but they're like please take this as me being serious i trust you jay ryan get me on that list it was a wild feeling now, if I wanted a pool, because I, I have clients even today that are asking about pools, so this is very interesting. They still believe it's a two-year waiting list. No, 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 no. What's it Two now? years is gone. I'm one of the exceptions, probably. I'm currently selling for next year. This year for me is booked. Um, but I think a lot of the pool-only companies, three, four, maybe six months out, uh, they're catching up on their backlog quickly. And what does a pool cost these days? Oh, my they're pretty much starting around the 90 to 100 plus and just for the pool. That's a, just a concrete, a concrete, basic, no hardscape, not fancy not, hardscaping. Listen, that's not counting. Man, you got to count a fence. You got to count having pavers or concrete or stone of some kind around that pool. Drainage system. Everyone wants lights. Everyone wants what plants. About the, what about the magazines that say I can get a pool installed for 45000 You see these ads. Oh, yeah. That company went out of business last year. Well, <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's literally true. I'm not going to name their name, but there was a company, good sized company, been in business a long time. Yeah. They were the one that always had the front page ad. 
39,000, 29,000, right. get you a pool. Oh, man. Yeah. Life bit them in the butt hard because I think they were doing a wonderful job selling as well. What hurt a lot of guys, I bought two trucks off of a guy last year. True story. Um, he had been in business, I believe, about 40 years. Very good company. Did exactly what I did and been doing it longer than me, building complete backyards. He's a designer and a good one, a very good one. And he was selling very far into the future. And he was locking in his price. You want a beautiful backyard? Okay, it's $200,000. Sign the contract. Give me the deposit. You're locked in. We're going to be here 18 months from now. We're going to bill you this amazing backyard. You know what the cost is. We're going to do it. Sounds good, right? Sure. Well, what happens during that 18 months if every single bit of supplies that he purchases to build your backyard goes up by 40%, 60%? That's crazy. He's still showing up. He's still trying. He's still working. He literally worked until the last check bounced. Good God. That's scary. And I think it happened to more guys than you realize. So your contracts would stipulate that it could adjust based on market conditions? I had to put that in there. Yeah. And to be honest with you, we had put it in before the pandemic hit because I was starting to get a little further out and a little further out. And then when the pandemic hit and all that uncertainty, I, I'm an idiot. I was convinced everything was going to get cheaper. So I thought to myself, these people are going to be really upset with me when I show up in a year. Right. They're going and, to shop you and realize and they overpaid. shop me and yeah. realize, hey, it was I know the pool was 100000 that Mr. Ryan sold me, but X, Y, and Z company can do it for $78. Uh, Jay, you're raking me over the coals. So honestly, I put it in there thinking, well, you know, it, it'll go both ways. And mm -hmm. if we have, you know, I do a nice thing with a spreadsheet showing what the prices are. If, if I have to back some of this down, I will. I don't want to lose your job. Right. But little did I know, everything just worked out to you. Good God. Well, I like it. You say, I can't get, I'm not going to be replaced anytime soon by AI or one of these robots. Pretty hard to replace like, physical labor. You're like, I got to dig a ditch. You oh, know? yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's tough to think that there's going to be a machine that shows up and, and just does it all. I mean, maybe. I mean, they've figured out how to put these, uh, what are they, lawnmowers mm -hmm. that'll run 24-7 out there cutting grass and they plug into a little thing and they put a little... An yeah. invisible line, they cut I mean, grass. That's eventually something. we'll all be replaced, I suspect. But you have a little bit longer than someone like myself in real estate. I probably have a much shorter time frame to have a career. It's well, realistic. Somebody's going to still have to do work. That's all there is to it. At the end of the day, yeah, I suppose so. Let's hope so. Someone's got to work. Let's hope so. So, getting back to how you managed to have the childhood you did, switch into becoming a farmer, taking over a farm as a 20 year old, basically, it's like. I see so many people that are unsuccessful in, in, in the entrepreneur world. It's like when they go down that path, they think it's fabulous. They're not successful. They fail. So many landscapers and construction companies. Have Seven years is the industry average for people that start my business. So it, it, what do you owe, you think, the longevity and the success? You've been doing this 27 years now. Yeah. So, and you are one of the most successful out there. You have multiple companies. Like you've done it multiple times. It's like, so work why, ethic why has 99% to do with it. Um, still, even with all those people, most days, four out of five, I turn on the lights. I turn off the lights. First one in, first one out. They're Saturday, they're Sunday. Um, in, in this business, you have to be willing to put in the work. And I'm a working machine. And it's, that's the dairy farmer in me. That's every dairy farmer. All we know is work, Matt. That's literally bred into us. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a scary thing to us. How we embrace it. And on days when I don't have a million things to do, 
it actually makes me anxious. That's so yeah. I love to work. I'm like one of those Jack Russell dogs with a so ball. What happens, I just want to go. So what happens when you decide to, let's say you don't want to work seven days and now you want to work three days. You want to be part-time. Is that the day the company would fail, you think? or or how? Well, I think at this point, I've put so many good people that I trust. Many, many days, I don't even know where all the crews are. I don't have a clue at what point they are in the jobs. And it doesn't stress me out at all because I have really, really good people. Um, on the landscape side, the construction side, the pool side, and especially the woman that's running the company. I mean, 100% faith I have in these people. Mm -hmm. And it's taken me years and multiple people to get to that level. Right. But I can honestly say that with all sincerity. That's, I mean, that's impressive to hear. And and I, and what I think the, my key and how I would answer the question that I posed to you about why are you successful? I do believe it is work ethic because what we both can agree is neither one of us are all that smart. Um, can barely spell. Thank God for spell check. Right? I'm the worst speller in the world. <laughs> so it's we can't owe it to uh, our intelligence, should we say? So I think that's what I owe my. Well, there's success two types to. of intelligence. Don't forget. That's true. And I teach this to my two boys, Jack and Preston. There are book smarts, and there are street smarts. And I got bucket loads of street smarts. Mm -hmm. Well, it helps when you're managing adults when you were a teenager. And well, yeah, I'll never forget. I was milking cows in there with dad. And we had this good old boy, uh, and I forget if it was he hit a cow, or he did he did something that we don't do enough to piss the old man off and piss me off. And then uh, I remember Dad saying, "Well, what would you do about it? What, what would you you know? What do you think?" And I said, "I'd fire his ass." He said, "I'm glad you said that. That needs to happen. Go in the other room and do it." How old were you? Probably about fourteen or fifteen. I couldn't drive yet. And this is a full-grown man with a family. Mm -hmm. And our old man's like, go fire. And I'm like, uh, I was a scrawny, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you were. I was really not a huge thin. kid back yeah. then. I'm a big boy now, but I wasn't a huge kid back then. And I was like, uh-oh. I was like, all right, I'm going to man up and do it. I remember going in there, and he just laughed at me. He's like, yeah, fire. <laughs> He's like, no, get away from me. And he walked in back in the room, and, and the guy goes, my, our, our dad goes, uh, what are you doing in here? He goes, he goes, what do you mean, what am I doing here? He goes, didn't Jay just tell you what's going to happen? He said, yeah, he just fired me. He goes, yeah, he's your boss, and he just fired you. I get the hell out of here. And, I mean, it, that, as a kid, that, like, yeah, snaps something in your brain. That's and uh, ever since then, I've never been scared to, to do that when it's, you know, absolutely necessary. How many employees do you think over your career you've had in totality? I'm in the thousands. Thousands? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean that's an adventure in itself. I just, I can just tell you, having get, when I got my very first employee, I, I didn't need to know how to behave or act because I wasn't wired that way. Oh, and you think I did? No. Well, well you got to learn no. early. It's like I had to learn mine ten years after you did. I think, and it, it's almost to, it's almost harder in a way. Well, that's the other thing too that I highly encourage. If you're gonna be an entrepreneur and you want to start a business, do it while you're so dumb and so young and so. Ah, free, I feel right. that you can fail over and over again a few times. It's really, really hard to decide to decide at 30, 40, 50 years old after you already have a wife and you have right. children uh, and you have a mortgage payment. Hey, that's it. I'm striking out on my own. Oh man, right. I've never I've never had to do that. And I've seen people that do it and it's gotta make you go gray really fast. Yeah. I did it so young that I just didn't even know any better. 
Well, that's what you told me. I was doing medical sales um, out of college, and I hated it after a few years. I resented every second of it. And you would tell me I was doing real estate at the same time, and I loved it a lot more. And I was considering it, but I was part time. And you kept saying, "Jump, jump now! You don't have kids. You don't. You're not married yet." Oh yeah. And I was yeah. what 26 at the time. Do a townhouse payment. Was that's like, it. Townhouse payment. Nothing. Nothing. Yep. You're just like do it. Yeah. Get, get it over with. And I worst case scenario, you fail. Okay. All right. People fail every day. Don't be scared to fail. You know, I tell that to the boys now. I'm like, take all the risk you want. Just don't risk your life, but take right. all the risk you want. And if you fail, it's fine. Dust yourself off and try again. Right. And that's literally the same thing with business. Well, I, I've attended all these real estate conferences and Gary Keller would get up there and say, the only difference between me on this stage and you sitting down there is that I've been, I've taken more chances and I failed a hundred times. Yeah. And he's like the people that are so terrified to even take any risk at all are in the same job that they resent or the same situation and nothing ever changes. I'd say there's a lot of truth to that. And he's just like, I've, I'm willing to fail more than you. And I had another coach and mentor that told me that um, he wants, his job is to monitor his failures and to shorten the length in which he fails. So like he wanted to fail faster. He's like, how fast can I fail? Because at some point I'm going to figure it out. So he's like, don't make the wrong hire and keep them for three years. It, admit you failed in the first three months. If it's not working, hold them accountable and move on. So he said, "You're gonna. I'm gonna make okay. four bad hires in the first year, and then I'm gonna find someone great because I held standards as opposed to four hires in five years, and I'm holding on to all these people that aren't talent." That was his approach to me and his advice. There's to me. truth to that too, but there's also truth to the every new person you hire. There's a there's a learning curve, and you've got to give people a chance too. So I mean, I kind of see that both ways, but I'm a big fan of giving somebody a few different chances, trying really hard to bring them up. Um, and then once once you realize, eh, you know, a lot of times they realize it too. And it's, it's not a fit. Well, you have some guys that are there for 15, 20 years. I mean, even just guys in the field, right? It's not just your management. Oh, like, I've then, got a whole bunch of my crew bosses, guys that drive the dump truck, that manage the crew, Celso, Mario, yeah. Jose, uh, Rafino, these are guys that all been with me over 20 years already. That's insane. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, these guys are my brothers. I mean, yeah. I really feel like they're my brothers. That's insane. I mean, everybody that runs a crew. And I mean, when, when you see those yeah. trucks rolling in and rolling out in the mornings and rolling back in the afternoons, I mean, it's a fleet. I have. If now. anyone lives in the Howard County region, you've seen a Rhine truck. You, you take the name and put it as large as you can in these dump trucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a rolling Rhine yeah. fiesta party. Yeah. I mean... Those trucks are driving around in circles all day long, yes, all are. through Howard, Carroll, parts of Montgomery. So why not put your name up there? People maybe see it a few times and remember. Well, and so I deal with people that are a lot of times new to the area. And so having driven to five to 10 homes every day for 25 plus years, how have you seen our region change? How is it different from how you remembered as a kid? What do you think the Howard County, Montgomery, Carroll, like this whole area, what changes would you say it have happened because it's changed in my eyes i'm curious to see what you how you feel it have changed well i mean there's sections of it that are still very much the same parts of ellicott city uh, eldersburg different areas that i feel very homey and that i feel like it's still very much the same but at the at the point where like the new homes the new developments things like that are coming in it's almost like you can't get the homes nice enough they're right. doing such a, a nice job these days with these homes, it's unbelievable how, how beautiful they are and how big they are right. and all the amenities that they're packing into these homes. Um, the one part I feel a little bit bad about is, and especially because of what I do, they're putting a bigger and bigger house on a smaller smaller lot. Sure. I want the grass. I want the lot. I want the ability to build you something big and fancy out back. 
And if you're getting a half an acre, quarter acre, you know, small parcels. And I know that that's, that's a thing too, sure. because not everybody wants all that grass to deal with. Uh, when I first started in business, I felt like every house had three acres and three acres was great to me. I'm like, Ooh, that means time the house and the driveway are gone and the, right. this and that. I've still got two full acres of grass to cut. I love that. Let's get the big lawnmowers. Let's get after it. You don't see many three acre lots anymore. That's a, that's a rare bird. What in, is in Howard County, typically it's an acre, isn't it? Or acre for most, but for I mean, most. there's a lot that are under an acre as well. Yeah. Sure. So it's still something, but I, I see it changed because the money has changed. I feel like Howard County and Montgomery, because we're a prox- we're close proximity to D.C. Yeah, it's always been a pretty wealthy area, but I think it's just I think it's just gone crazy. I, think. I can't even figure out where all the money comes from. Sometimes I mean, and now it's now it's making me mad because the people are younger than me. Oh yeah, they, <laughs> I like to think of myself as young, and I'm like, I pull up and I'm like, oh no. Yeah, they're definitely younger than me. <laughs> it happened today in that multi-million dollar house. They were in their uh, in their thirties, but they're all younger than me. And I'm like, this sucks. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> he shows up in a hundred thousand dollar sports car. I'm like, oh no. Hey, good on them. You know, <laughs> yeah. they they obviously are doing something great. Well, it's gonna happen. We're getting older, so I know. Uh, I feel it every day. It's bound. It's bound to happen. But it's funny to to take note of it as it's happening. Right. Um. But yeah, so it's it's fascinating to see your journey. No, it's it's all the school's fault. You realize that, right? Howard huh? County and because oh, they're too, too school good. system. Too good. The the teachers, the system. I, I tease all the time. I'm like, you damn teachers and and everything you're, you're doing it. out here. You're ruining Howard County. You're making it too uh, nice. You know, everybody's fist fighting each other to get one of these houses to get in one of these amazing schools. Yeah, I'm like, if you just do, you know, start missing a few days, <laughs> you know, dumb this down a little bit, you know, back to like when I was getting educated, you know, uh-huh. get where these kids can barely read and then, <laughs> then we can get these housing prices down. <laughs> I'm going to start telling people that. Yeah, there you go. Tell your kids not to show up that often at school. So the rest of the housing valuations go to keep It doesn't down. seem to be what people are interested in these days. It seems like people it's really the exact opposite. They, they really are care so about education. The PTAs in Howard County. I mean, I just, know. oh my Lord, the parents are involved. I mean, it's good, but some are over the top, you know, quite involved. Not me. I tell you what, buddy, I'm some days I just want to check that. Did you actually go to school today, Preston? <laughs> yes, I went. Okay, cool. All right. End of conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, and are we allowed to talk about what you've done to the farm recently? Or is that something you don't chat about? What's at the field? Uh-huh. Well, I mean, I've never put anything on social media about that or anything. It's been something that I'm kind of quietly proud about. Is, but Well, I mean, basically, he's made some improvements around the farm. It's pretty special. So it's been, you've you've taken your prowess with your companies and all the, you know, things at your disposal. And you've made what was a very modest farm can we put it that way um it was a dairy farm don't get any more modest than a dairy farm. i mean we would fill old bathtubs with a hose mm-hmm. to milk the cat like to, I, for, to had, put water we had nine cattle. old bathtubs out of houses we right. ran garden hoses right. to them and that's where the cows would drink their water sure yeah. yeah so i mean it was very modest put it that way and it is not that way anymore it is over the top so you've um transformed that place it's pretty it's pretty wild to see the, the I, built, I built a full-size soccer and lacrosse field for the boys back in 2019. It's regulation size football field, and I put stadium lights, and I built what we call the penalty box, mm-hmm. which is a raised uh, pavilion with a roof and a bar in it. It's pretty over the top. Yeah, me and a few of the dads like to sit up there and tilt one back while we watch the boys uh, Jack and Preston are both on two teams. They both play uh, travel soccer and travel lacrosse. And, and I uh, donated 
It's a donation to their different clubs to have right. their practices there. Right. Because you're not allowed to charge, you know, for the fields. No, right? no. Nor would, nor would you, but. No, I don't want to make it commercial. It's not commercial. It's not right. open to the public. It's just private. Right. It's just for my boys and, and, yeah. their, and their teams. I know a lot of people don't know. It's just, it's like the field of dreams back there. It's insane. A little bit. Uh, we did have a game uh, on Sunday and I had a mimosa and Bloody Mary bar going. Yeah. And uh, this other team showed up. It was their first time being there. And we were. We're the, the host field for Jack's lacrosse team yeah. for this particular game. And I'm I'm walking around. I'm not in any of my Ryan gear. None of these people know me. And I'm just stopping and standing in different spots watching mm-hmm. the kids, you know, in the action. The game was going on. And this one lady was, just looked at her husband. She goes, I just can't get over it. I feel like I'm in a country club. <laughs> it used to I be a cow field. I didn't see. Oh, my God. We stripped off 18 inches of compacted cow manure uh-huh. and put it in a pile built the field yeah. and got it on grade and then pushed all the uh manure back yeah uh, so you talk about growing grass oh my well it's bermuda grass don't you have to cut it twice a week with special mowers and i have a rotary style uh, golf course mower and you cut it every three days it also has a full irrigation system hooked up to two wells we put two inches of water on it a week yeah it's crazy and you have to put sand on it and keep it it's, yeah, you're supposed to do a special type of coration. You bring in tractor trailer loads of sand and you spread on it. You drag it. There's it's basically a, what there's the Ravens steps. play on, right? It's it's a similar. Well, I got in contact with somebody there and I found out they have a product. Like when Joe Flacco hurt his knee, mm-hmm. they rolled up all that artificial turf and hauled that crap out of there because artificial turf, uh, your cleats catch when you turn. Sometimes sure. your joints don't turn right. Was that the year the Ravens had multiple injuries, or was that a different? Or was that no? That was more I think recent. that's I think that's every year. Yeah, yeah. every year. <laughs> it's like in the training camp, like half the team goes down. It's like holy crap! Uh, one of these days, they're just all going to be at the end of the year, like perfect condition. Yeah. And I think we're going to have to have a huge party, even if we don't win the Super Bowl. Just yeah. have a party for that. Yeah, but no, they they ripped off that turf. They they did all their research and they brought out a product called Tiff Tough Turf. And it's uh, was genetically modified Bermuda grass in a lab sure. at a college, and my smart ass tracked down where that came from, who makes it, and I bought sixteen tractor trailer loads of it and put it all down on the farm. Yeah, it's it's pretty over the top. I mean, it looks literally like MIT Bank. It's. Pretty, I'm, tr- I'm trying. It's pretty insane. I thought I'd make mention of that. How I don't think Jack and Preston at this point in their life appreciate that, but maybe yeah, someday they, they'll look back and think their old man less. was a fun kind of crazy. I guess so. Um, but it's it's great. You have the spot to do it, and I think the rest of the family members and, and everybody else is, are proud of what you've been able to make that pile of mess over there. Yeah, yeah. We've got the whole farm cleaned up and beautiful pastures and very nice lady named Ashley, who you have helped her and her yeah. mom twice buy houses. Yeah. Ashley runs the whole farming operation now. And I forget, she told me the other day, it's the most horses she's ever had. And she has a waiting list. Yeah. She has 17 stalls and all the stalls oh, are filled. She does a great job. I think there's 45 or something. I'm probably going to mess yeah. that number up. Amount of horses on the farm now. Right. Did a nice outdoor arena for her with lights and she does her thing. Well, it's it's quite the operation, but it's um it's been an interesting transformation you made, and so now, you know, if you're listening to this and you live in the Maryland region specifically, it's really Howard County, Montgomery County, Carroll. Do you go to Baltimore County? I do get into Baltimore County. My rule of thumb is I got a fleet of international dump trucks, and I only want to change the oil in those trucks once per year, which means I got to keep them under eight thousand miles. And that sounds silly, hmm. but I like. Don't you to, have a mechanic? I've got two. 
But okay. that doesn't mean I want to wear out <laughs> international dump trucks, Matt. Okay. I'm trying to be smart about this. And I looked like a genius when fuel went crazy yeah. because some of my competitors will travel an hour each direction to go work on someone's home. Got it. You cannot, I repeat, you cannot provide premium service and manage a job to the nines when if, you're that you're, far away. if your manager has to go 30 miles this direction, 30 miles that direction. I've tried before for people and I have not been able to be as proud of the results. Right. As when we can stay very close and very tight knit, keep all the jobs in a very tight little circle. We can get there every single day, multiple times a day if we need to. Multiple managers can check. You always end up needing supplies or this or that. It's always something. Literally always something. Right. So I try and keep my circle, you know, as tight as I can so I can provide a really, really good service. And your home base is Howard County and you've been voted multiple, multiple times best of Howard County for pretty much everything at this point you know whether swimming pool builder landscaping hardscape design it's pretty awesome yeah a few people might like me at this point a few people so um and the ones that don't like you are usually the people that can't get you well maybe you can't can't be everything to everybody you can try but it's, it's yeah. hard yeah well um so that's basically it so your website is rhinelandscaping.com rhine pools and i'll have some links on there so if anyone is interested in having uh, Jay entertain you uh, with a coffee. I always hear about your sales calls, and they serve you drinks and sit down and spend well, an hour. Not every, not every person, but <laughs> I've, Quite been, a few. I've been working for some of these people so long that I've take care of their house now. I take care of their kids' house. Yeah. I'm waiting for when I start taking care of like grandkids' houses. I guess I keep it this long enough. I might get that. Yeah, I think so. We don't like. I don't know what your next plan would be after this company. I think it's do this forever. I don't. I don't know what's the next stage. I don't know. I mean, I've had offers to go start businesses in different places, and I always think about things and not really sure. Um, but I'm. I'm happy. I'm comfortable. And I you like, also have kids still there of age. Yeah, you my, need to be around. And, I, you know, the, the jury's still out on what they're going to do, what they're going to be, where they're going to go. I have no idea. Jack's in eighth grade. Preston's in sixth grade. They're, they're young. Right. And, and I don't want to overgrow the business, get it to where I can't keep my hands around it. And, and right now right. it's it's large, but it's a comfortable large. And, you know, you're also active with the Farm Bureau um, for the state of Maryland. So Howard County Farm Bureau, uh, every single county, including including Puerto Rico and Hawaii, has a Farm Bureau. Right. And uh, I've served multiple terms on Howard counties. um, And I've done the board of director thing for the state as well. Wonderful organization. And uh, even though I'm not milking those cows every single day. My passion is advocating for farmers. Yeah. Well, there's not a whole lot of them left, it feels like, in Maryland. So even Guess what I, the number one you know, industry still is in the state no of Maryland? No way. Seriously? Ag. Wow. There's way that. more farmers than you realize when you're here in, well, in, this, in, this, little, little in this little area. Yes. but There's it, a lot of agriculture yeah. still gets done. Well, the, the Eastern state. Shore, there's a ton. Western Maryland, Baltimore yep. County, even Howard County. There's, I think, as many horses as, as there are people, it feels like. Well, the, yes. Yeah. In Howard County, yes. Yeah, and for that and price horses, tag. horses count. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. That's agriculture, my friend. <laughs> yeah, well, the expensive agriculture, but it changes, I suppose. Sure, um, sure. Less cows, more horses. Oh, God. They seem so much nicer. Yes, they do. Better to look at it at your house. I'll tell you that. So that's basically it. I just want to give an overview of what you did. I appreciate you joining me. Um, my pleasure. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been fun. So uh, that's basically if anyone wants to connect with Jay or get a get an estimate or, or do anything, his website is right there, and I'll put that in there, and uh, appreciate you joining me. Thanks, sir. All appreciate right. you.